Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about entitlement. We're talking about drama. We're talking about a lack of personal responsibility. We see this on airplanes where people just pick fights, divert planes, force them to land, create security incidents, inconvenience, 150 other passengers because someone bumped into them in the aisle or someone talked to them the wrong way. We see this at grocery stores where you've got a tiny grocery store and you've got someone walking in with a dog and there's a 12-foot leash and the leash is tripping people left and right. And not only that, but God forbid you say anything, then the person suddenly is up in arms. Oh my God, how dare you do this? Why are you assaulting me? Don't you see that I've got a support animal? So we see this drama. We see this sense of entitlement, the sense that the world has got to accommodate whatever I want. And as we were talking about this, you came up with a really good term. Uh, you call it being a petty dictator. We've got people who haven't really earned respect, haven't really earned any special accommodation, but somehow expect that the world is going to rearrange itself to meet whatever their particular need is. And it's a disease, maybe. Maybe that's the best way of putting it. It's something that's becoming more and more common. It's something that just gums up the the general workings of society. Because if we're in a world with a lot of other people, we all have to get along. If everyone's demanding that everyone else do what they want, of course, things aren't going to function. And then it leads to escalation. So this is another part of what we talked about, Z, where if you're entitled, if you feel like you're right, if you feel like someone else owes you something, then you start to escalate. You start to get mad when people don't treat you the way that you want to be treated. And that leads to conflict. So at the very least, you're going to get angry. It's going to ruin your day. It could turn into something a lot worse. It could turn into some kind of violent physical confrontation. And what I find most interesting is it's not just at an individual level that we see this. We see this more broadly at a social level where we have groups of people who behave the same way with this idea of entitlement, this idea that somehow they're better than everyone else. We're exceptional. Uh, we are in a privileged position. We have earned the right to behave differently than the rest of the world. And therefore, we're going to do what we want to do and whatever we do is right and everyone else needs to fall in line. And that strategy can work if you've got some power, uh, so if you've got some military superiority. Uh, but eventually, people are going to resent it and that's going to lead to conflict and escalation. And I think geopolitically, we're seeing a lot of this. So for all those reasons, I think this idea of being a petty dictator is really an interesting one because it explains a lot of what we're seeing in terms of human behavior, but it can also give us a preview for what's to come. Uh, if we just extrapolate this and imagine a world where everyone expects that somehow the world is going to accommodate their wishes, we can see how that turns into a very unfriendly world, a world with a lot of conflict, a world with a lot of drama. And we start from a standpoint where we don't have real problems or we've got very small problems, things that are very minor, and then they escalate and escalate because people look at it as an assault. So you're not respecting me. You're hurting my ego. You're hurting my feelings. And even though what happened might be trivial, I'm going to turn this into a major confrontation. And that's when things really start going awry. So as usual, as we get into the Z, I'm just curious uh, about your thoughts on this topic. Uh, we've talked a lot about how society has changed, how people's mindsets have changed. But uh, just kick us off. Uh, give us your thoughts on being a petty dictator. Yeah, Vin, I want us, our folks to think that way as far as framing situations where you have either your you're interacting, encountering, running to, managing, dealing with, or it rises in yourself, this sense of petty dictator, that you have a, a chest laid with medals and, and combat accomplishment, things you've never did. 
You want to be acknowledged for nothing. You've done nothing, but you want to be acknowledged for something. You want to win a gold medal. I saw a funny a little writing that said, uh, in all of history, there have been uh, maybe 250-something Navy SEALs. And the guy said, yeah, I met a 1,000 of them the other day. Everybody claims to be a special operator, an extraordinary one, a, an amazing human being. You're not. You're mediocre at most. Most of us are mediocre. And if we can accept that, it takes a huge burden off of our ego, but it also takes the blinders off our eyes when we see things happening in front of us. Because if we don't call out the petty dictator when they show up, we won't be able to see them anymore. And, we, and, and, and more than anything, we won't be able to see them in ourselves. And I was talking to a woman today, and uh, she's one person in my generation, just had a wonderful talk, and she thanked me for talking to her and her being able to talk to me without having to think about what she was gonna say how she was going to say it, if it was okay to say, would I be triggered, offended, or unnerved by anything she said to the point where I want her to adjust her speech and her ability to flow in conversation for the caution of it being uncomfortable for me. So we've reached that place in the world where everybody is a petty dictator, everybody has etiquettes, rules, customs, and courtesies around their individual behavioral whims. So this opens you up to toxic drama in your life. And I, I stress that by being able to see it first and point it out, it goes back to the basic identify process integrate. We now lived in a moment, a season, that's an anomalous season in terms of human evolution, human progress. We are not progressing as a species. We are now at a point where people are very comfortable with robot companions. How did we get to that point? Because our interactions with human beings become less and less rewarding when we're a petty dictator. We can't find people that mold and shape and act the way we want at every moment. So we reject that. We seek to fulfill that through this kind of a digital dimension of life. I was listening to one of the discussions as I'm studying internet and studying podcasting and so forth. There was a person who was upset because they said they were the first one to use the term intersectionality on the internet and they wanted to be acknowledged for that. I was like, what? They had a whole thing about how they were the first to say it and they need to be acknowledged for it. No, you don't. You're making up words, so what? Now that it's in the free space, it's open sourced. Why do you need to be acknowledged for that? And it made me think about what that word even meant is intersection. Because I didn't know what it really meant. I didn't get it. I, I understand what the word means. I understand words. But I didn't understand how they use the word. So it, 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 for those of you who are, are, are behind me, which I hope only two or three people are, but... If, you're, if you have more than one complaint, I think, is what it means. So I'm black and crippled. So I'm at the intersection of handicapped and handicapped. Okay? I think that's what it means, right? Okay. So you're intersectional. So that makes you what? What reward, what medal should you get because you're intersectional? And it makes you a victim. Right, that's the medal you get, and you can wear that on your, you could put that right next to your Hero of Non-Achievement Award. Um, it means nothing. It absolutely means nothing, right? And we need to call that. Those of us who, you can't say it out loud because there's too many people who have bought into that, and we're opting out of that. So you hear these different made-up terms as the pronoun list gets longer and longer and longer, right, the different terminologies, and you can see the power of what you call a thing. And that goes into the conjuring. That's like conjuring. So you have a mantra, and you keep saying something, saying something, and it, it starts to take on a, a, a momentum, a quantizing, and it becomes something that people pay attention to.
right? It becomes part of a cultural meme. It becomes part of a, 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 a an action that you take, and it, it and it can be also reversed. I was explaining to my my eight year old today. We were driving, and and I said cars used to didn't have blinkers. He's fascinated with blinkers. I see. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, we didn't used to have blinkers. It used to be when you got your driver's license, you had to also know hand signals." And that Caitlin is shaking her head and giving me that weird look. And, and she said, yeah, well, anybody that's over 45 or 50, I think, remembers when you got your driver's license, you had to know hand signals. Stick your arm out the window straight out. That's a left turn. Bend your arm up. You're, you're, you're making a right turn. Hand down. You're going to stop. So because signals in cars were not mandatory, it was a kind of a cute feature. Blinkers, they call them dippers in India. They don't even use them the same way in, in India. They just throw the blinker on to tell you to go around. Called dippers. So here we had hand signals. And with that hand signal came an awareness of other people around you and a certain courtesy. Now people have turn signals and they don't even know what they're for anyway. They don't even use it. What it does, it turns off the robot in the car, the lane change robot. Now. If you use your blinker, you can change lane without the robot fighting you. Okay, that's how it is in new cars. So times have changed. I accept that. I, but also with those changes, it's part of our observation of our evolution as a species. So hand signals forced you to have a certain amount of consideration and courtesy for people around you. Your intersection with others. Right? Here's where my life intersects with yours. Intersectionality is not used that way. An intersection is where we meet, where we do commerce, where we exchange. Doesn't mean that anymore. It means I get an extra victim award over you. I'm more of a victim than you. When it actually used to mean where we must exchange time, energy, commerce with one another, human capital. I think it's important to remember that and to know the power of the way we speak so that those of us who are wanting to fare well, do well through this bizarro time, we feel better about our moving away from it, rejecting it, not buying into it not immersing ourselves in this understanding and having long seminars and workshops on nonsense. It's nonsense and it destroys your soul. As I was telling you earlier, we were talking then about the behavior of people and how the conflict, and I was teasing Caitlin in, in, in a holistic way because we got much love for Caitlin, but she's also our our lab rat in terms of understanding where people are at. I talked about her reaction to me and the dog at the door. <laughs> Caitlin, of course, thought I was over the top. I took that okay because all my life, as a brother living in America, anything I do is over the top. On my best day, I'm 5'9 and 160 pounds, 177 centimeters, according to the coroner's office, and I weigh 160 pounds. When the police stop me and describe me, I'm 6'1", 250 pounds. The description of me on the police is all that, on all my police stuff. That's my description. So I've learned to what I call diminish myself for a particular audience of people. Why do I diminish myself? Because I'm scared. No, I'm not scared of shit. I just want to get to point A to point B with the least amount of stress, the least amount of drama. So I'm always looking to leave the theater and not be, I want to watch the theater. I want to participate in the show. So I've learned tools, but I also hear things. I hear things that people normally don't hear. And those things are alerts, not triggers. They're alert. So I get why you would see what I did a certain way, because that's not something you've ever been through. There's an innocence to that. So for our audience, We'll tell the story, right? Let's tell the story. So we, for many of you who've been to Dharma, some of you have been to Dharma, uh, it's a small office. 
two-story building. We sit on a corner of, it's a weird corner. It's almost like three streets coming together, right? And <clears throat> it's almost like saying you're on the corner of two dead-end streets, but not really. And so we have a door and people walk by. And now in this era of dogs being used as, what, is it, what do we call them? Um, support creatures or comfort animals? Yeah, yep, comfort okay. Animals. So dogs aren't just dogs and pets in general. I think peacocks, uh, monkeys, uh, miniature horses, whatever it is, um, people see these things now as an extension of their fiefdom. There's something under the realm of their dictatorship, right? Uh, so all these petty dictators. So I'm sitting here and on many occasions, people have brought their dog right to the front door where there's a little shade and let the dog shit or piss at my front door. There's a park, what I, you say the park is what? 200 feet away? A block away. A block away. There's a park. There's an alley. There's all kinds of things. But for some reason, they'll bring the dog right to my front door and let it shit or piss. So I've learned in dealing with this era of people that anything that is not overly comforting, rewarding, accommodating, is offensive, threatening, and a, a imposition on their life, right? So you have to learn how to navigate these people. So the woman is bringing a, a standard poodle, which is a big dog. And by the way, they're one of the most vicious dogs you can own, according to dogs they are most likely to bite somebody, is a standard poodle, okay? We used to have a standard poodle in our neighborhood when I was a kid, his name was Jock. And every kid who grew up in that neighborhood has a scar on their leg or their back from Jock, right? That Jock, that was his thing. He would go and take a piece of skin from you. Now you're good. I happened to beat the shit out of Jock with a baseball bat, so he never got me, okay? And my dog King took care of Jock. But that's another story for another episode. So anyway, she comes by with the standard poodle and it starts sniffing around the door. So I'll be honest, Caitlin, you were right. I growled through the mailbox over and just, Rrr. you know, I just did that hoping the dog would go away. But because the dogs have been molested, abused, uh, and, and, and mal-domesticated by humans, it didn't react to a normal threat signal that a dog would react to. It didn't react. It, it just never has seen a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it just stood there uh, like it was a complete dullard or idiot animal. And so then I opened the door and I made myself even smaller. I shrunk myself down. Hey, uh, young lady, a Negro adjacent Caucasian lady, um, this is a business. Can you uh, curb your animal? Whatever I said, right, Caitlin? And she immediately got offended. She got offended. And explained, he's only sniffing, and he has a right to... And, and I knew right there, okay, this is going off the handle. The police are going to be involved in a minute. It's going to be a whole YouTube thing. So I just said, never mind. But I was pissed, and I try not to be pissed off. But sometimes the weight of the world comes on you. You're trying to run a small business. You're trying to deal with all the issues, COVID, paying the rent, damage to the building, homelessness, customers coming on time, paying their bill, all the issues just come up at once. And this just becomes one more thing, one more thing. And so I told Caitlin, let me go online and order pet poison. That's what I said, right? I need to order pet poison. I need to order signs. I need to order other devices that I don't have to deal with these people. Because the lack of just the most basic fundamental efforts of human courtesy to not impose upon others your issues. I have owned pets before. I've owned guard dogs. I've had uh, animals, working animals. And what I never did was impose my animals on other people. I've never 
done that. But we live in a different world where the petty dictator will impose their reign upon anyone within range of Im their eminence is around. So I buy the, 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 basically it's cayenne pepper. You have to spray it around your property so the dogs don't like the smell. Then I have a buzzer that you can set to make an irritating noise whenever the dogs come in. And only monkeys, dogs, and rats can hear it. But for some reason, Caitlin can hear it clearly. I don't know why. I've adjusted it. She claims she has on headphones. She's running around with earmuffs like she's an Eskimo because Caitlin has either rat or monkey hearing. Uh, no, don't blame it on, on the Eskimos. It's, 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 it, the thing says on the back, set it for dog, rat, monkey. Okay, so it's set for that. Caitlin's irritated by it. But I think it's more that she's an ally and she's a little bit sympathetic to this petty dictator. No, That's my suspicion. I can hear it and it's really annoying. Yeah, I have excellent hearing and I can't hear or I enjoy the noise it makes. I enjoy seeing these dogs run into the street. I love it. It's just a moment of just base joy, right? Just adolescent, teenage boy. This is great. Now the dogs walk by, they hear the thing and they dart into the street. Now I'm noticing, you noticing fewer and fewer dogs coming by here yes. just in a day. I know there's a few, fewer and fewer people. That's great. I love it if they should have an appointment or see us online. It's great. They don't need to come out. And so I've had to take an extraordinary act because the petty dictators are consuming our air. So we go to the store today. I'm in Rainbow Acres. I, then I'll be talking about that. And, 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 and this, this, this guy, this construction worker, contractor guy, and his buddy were buying foods. Rainbow Acres is a small store in our neighborhood. It's very crowded. If two people are walking down the aisle, you'd have to turn sideways to pass another person uh, of, 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 of normal girth and size. <clears throat> and... Suddenly the guy has hands full and he, 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 he almost falls into the refrigerator. He's going for a dive and his friend dropped the groceries and caught him, prevent him from literally breaking through the refrigerator. He says, like, what the hell's going on? I look and there's a person there with a, one of these rat dogs on a 12-foot leash. And the dog has walked in circles around the man's feet. Nope, you couldn't even see the dog. You might have thought it was a rat running through the store. But it's lunchtime. You're just trying to get your lunch and get out. And it's tangled his feet like a lasso. He almost crashes into the refrigerator and breaks it. The person with the leash never looked once to apologize, never made a correction, never did any of that. So he's unraveling stuff. He says, man, I should stomp that dog. And he looks at me to wonder if I'm one of these kind of people that's offended, triggered, or, or needs a trigger warning, whatever this, I don't know what you call this thing. I guess it'll have a name pretty soon. Um, and I look, I say, bro, it's okay. I back you 100%. If you need a character witness, I saw everything. The dog attacked you. The woman attacked you. That's what I'll say. I'm on your side. And he just said, man, thank you, man. Can I buy you lunch? So I've had experiences where people are so relieved at simply being able to have a point-to-point -point conversation with another human being without the petty dictator showing up and telling you how to talk, how you should speak, and how you should think about something. And for those of us who are opting out, I'll say to you what I said to uh, a woman I was talking to today. She said, what can we do? What does the future look like for us? Will it get better? I said, look, I don't own the truth, but I don't think it'll get better. I think it'll have to die off. It'll have to reach a point of unsustainability, which we're seeing, it's getting there. And those of us who think alike will have to mingle together, interact with each other, cooperate with each other, and create our own kind of underground railroad to manage through this time. Because the thinking is so, it is so bizarre. What is a good word? It's beyond bizarre that we're going to have to think about combining resources, 
information so that we can have think tanks of how to deal with this. You see, politics are gone. Politics is now used for the most divisive methods, right? We we're talking about beef and things like that. The meat industry is now a complete, complete um, monopoly. Somebody thought that was a good idea that, that to allow them to be monopolies. That now that the food is poisoned, they're simply masking the poison with more forever chemicals and still selling the meat. So the old ranchers and farmers are going out of business even though they kind of set themselves up for their own demise by being in bed with these people. Now the chickens have come home to roost and they're having these corporate ranches and the food is bad. The price, they control the pricing and these other people are now out of legacy, legacy ranches are dying off to corporate ranches. We see where it's headed. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Let's just follow the breadcrumbs. And for us, it is really having more think tanks when it comes to educating our children, sourcing our foods, looking at new products and inventions when they're small and haven't been consumed by the, um, by the corporatists and by the, um, what do you call these um, oligarchs or these uh, kinds of uh, robber barons, so to say. And we have a small window of time when things are good, right? It's kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago about Celsius. When Celsius hit the market, it was a great product, few ingredients with good stuff. Now that it went into the robber barons and into the monopolies, they've added uh, car paint to it and forever criminals and Teflon. Why? I don't know. They said it sweetens the food. They didn't have to put that in there, but apparently it's very cheap. It's addictive. So everything is going that route. So opt-outs, we want to be able to see the petty dictators. Don't confront them. We want to depopulate their, their realm, right? Their kingdoms. The comedians, again, are good testers for that. I guess Chris Rock did a comedy show and talked about the issue with Will Smith. And there's half of the things are coming out saying he's offending women and he's particularly offending black women. He's not. He didn't. Uh, it was a lightweight comedy. wasn't as funny as Dave Chappelle. But he's a comedian. Comedians are supposed to provoke, offend, make you think about stuff. Uh, and, and there's long commentaries on what a, an offensive guy is. He's not offensive. It's comedy. And the reason that this is being put out there is because the same kind of mindset of co-opting the thinking and the deductive reasoning abilities of, of the average one of us. And it's a trend. It's a trend. It's it's a, it, it's a de-evolution of the mind. Think for yourself. Simple, simple things. Keep the drama low. Keep the drama in your life low. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. You should not be offended by anything. Because in order to be offended, you have to give agency of yourself away to the so-called offender. If it is not a threat upon your life and limb, it is not an offense. When you think about in the legal idea of an offender, somebody came to you and attacked you or your property, right? That's somebody offending you. And then so you rally a defense, either a physical defense or a legal defense to um, kind of reacquire whatever was taken from you, right? So if it isn't all that, it's just drama. How about get on the airplane, put your headphones on, sit down, let it take off and land. How about that? Might not be the most comfortable ride, but it's transportation and gets you there at 600 miles an hour. Don't ask for more. Then you won't be offended. You don't demand things of people because you're there. 
If you meet people like that, do your best to avoid them. And be careful because it could start right under your own roof. Stop being offended by people. Most people aren't sitting around thinking about ways of getting under your skin. Most people are just living life, but there are people and there is a segment of the population, the petty dictators, which want to impose upon you their pettiness. They, they will probably have a, a dog or something with a label. They'll probably have a title for their mental illness. You know, I have a, I'm on the spectrum of slippy sloptyism and I need to be medicated. So I may uh, kick you in the nuts or spit in your face, but please understand it is, uh, I have to do that to you because I'm on the spectrum. No, no, I'm a beat your ass if you don't bother me. Let's just leave each other. Matter of fact, why don't you stay in the house if whatever mental issue you have doesn't allow you to regulate your desire to kick somebody in the nuts? Because sometimes I just want to kick somebody in the nuts. Sometimes I just want to walk down the street and rob random people. There's a lot of stuff that goes through my head that, that hey, you know what? I could just vent, but I don't because I'm polite and considerate. And we live in a civilized world that we should cohabitate and interact with each other and not offend others so that we can go from point to point unmolested. So there's no pill, there's no title, there's no label. We're not interesting, no matter how you dye your hair or flip your, uh, uh, flip your eyebrows or whatever, you're not interesting. Your sex life is only interesting to you and you're having, who you're having sex with. So we don't, make a, we don't need a political movement around it. We don't need to have social statements or long discussions, which again, they are bullshit. If you listen to some of these discussions with a clear head and a little bit of academic leaning, just a small smidgen of intelligence, a lot of this stuff is flim-flam, scam. And in order to be under the reign of a petty dictator, you have to buy into what they're saying. Don't buy it. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I'm thinking about the Chris Rock special that you mentioned. He actually had some words about what we're talking about right now. He said that he went on this whole rant about how people say words offend, words offend. And he was like, the only people who say that words are offensive are people who've never been punched in the face. Which is exactly what you're getting at, that we're dealing with threats that aren't real threats. We're dealing with issues in our mind that aren't real issues. And it becomes habit. I think that's the worst part of it, Z. I don't even know if the people who behave this way believe what they're saying or they're just so wrapped up in it that they've got to turn ordinary situations into an existential crisis. I always look at my kids as examples because I feel like a lot of what kids do, adults do the same thing. I mean, kids just do it without the filters and the restrictions because they don't have the, the same level of social awareness or they don't necessarily care what someone else is going to say. But a lot of the behavior is the same as behavior that we see in everyday life. It, it might just be concealed a little bit better or dressed up. Or even if it's not dressed up, it's called something else. So somehow it becomes socially acceptable. But I look at my kids and at times they get into this habit of drama, which is exactly what we're talking about, where everything is a big issue. Everything is a conflict. It's like, okay, do this. What, you're asking me to do this? Well, why do I need to do this? Okay, don't question me. Just do it. I'm telling you we have to do this. Ugh, fine, you're being so rude. Why are you talking to me that way? And then it just goes on and on, and it continues, and it, it turns into horrible situations. And, and actually, now my daughter is coming because <laughs> she's... You know, I heard you all the way from my room. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm sorry. You're a dictator. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I'm a dictator. Hey, look, let me finish this thing up, please, please, please. Yeah, so we got some real-time examples of this behavior going on. Uh, but... It just becomes conditioned. So it, with them, it's interesting because I can see how reflexive it is, Z, how there's no thought behind it. It almost doesn't matter what the trigger is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's just an automatic response. 
And I feel like that is how people have learned to conduct themselves. So then we move away from kids and we look at adults and it's the same sort of thing. It's You take these minor situations and there's just a habit of embellishment. There's a habit of drama creation. We talked the other day about a conversation that my wife was having and I don't think she was aware of what she was doing, but she was talking to a friend of hers and she took, she was relating a story and the story was happening within our family. And it was a pretty innocuous situation, at least uh, from, from my reading. It didn't seem like a big deal. But she was talking about someone in the family, and she was saying, this person was furious. They were furious at me. And I was like, that didn't happen at all. They, they weren't furious. They just expressed a point of view. But maybe it's for the shock value. Maybe it's because you want to be interesting when you're having a conversation with your friend. Maybe it's because you're so used to seeing the world that way that Instead of things being on this nice, even keel, we're oscillating between extremes where things are either terrific or they're terrible and we catastrophize ordinary situations. But it's bizarre. And maybe the most bizarre part to me, Z, is you get into this petty dictator behavior. It's kind of like you don't even know what's real anymore. You in your own mind can't even tell. So I'm curious what you think about this because I when I deal with with people in my life and I see all of the drama and the hysteria, sometimes I'll call people on it and I'll be like, I don't even think you believe what you're saying. Just be real. Just tell me what you actually feel. Like, why are you going down this route? And then that leads to more drama. Oh, what? You don't think I'm telling the truth. You don't listen to me. You can't relate to me. And my conclusion on this is that it's very hard to step away and maybe we've just lost touch of the, with the fact that we're even doing this. So it's like a lot of the other issues that we talk about in our modern society, the entitlement, the anxiety. It becomes so familiar that it's just how we roll. You know, like we, we don't know any, anything else. We don't have another example for how to behave. We don't see anything wrong with this. This is just how we conduct ourselves. And then, of course, that becomes dangerous because once you don't see an alternative, then you're trapped. You're stuck in this little box. I call it an invisible cage. So we're stuck in a cage. We can only operate in a certain area or a certain pattern of behavior, but it's invisible because we don't even realize that. You know, we think we're free, but as you're saying, Z, we're, we're slaves. We're either slaves because we are the petty dictators and we have to turn everything into some huge crisis or maybe it's the other side. You know, it's like the person that you ran into in the store who was dealing with the dog who feels like they have to accommodate. Uh, and you just walk around mad all the time <laughs> because you're just dealing with shit that's so ridiculous. And the imposition, it, just to get by, it, just to go and shop and get your lunch, it's such a huge set of requirements. It's like, okay, now I got to be on guard. I got to look out for animals. I have to look at leashes. I have to make sure they don't trip me up. If they do trip me up, I have to hold what I want to say because I don't want to offend someone else. I don't want to get yelled at. So we can't just be, you know, we just want to go and live our life and get through the day. But instead of doing that, we've got so many rules and regulations and stipulations. And then the worst part of it is we don't even know what the rules are because they're constantly changing and they're arbitrary. They're whatever people decide they are. And the things that people get outraged about, I mean, that was the other interesting thing about Chris Rock's comedy special. He called it selective outrage. And his point was that, yeah, we get mad at one thing, but not another thing. He brought up this example of R. Kelly versus Michael Jackson. You play an R. Kelly song and everyone's offended. <laughs> like, oh my God, R. Kelly, how terrible. But you play a Michael Jackson song and people are rocking out. But the crime is exactly the same. Like, why is one's character better than the other? But we just choose to focus on one thing and, and not the other thing. So it's arbitrary. There's no standard. So not only do you have all of these rules, but the rules are constantly changing. There's nothing that you can anchor them to. And you just walk around in this perpetual state of anxiety and probably with a lot of anger just because you feel suppressed. You feel belittled. You feel like you're forced to perform for someone else that someone else is controlling you. I mean, I went through this the other night with my wife. Uh, she has problems getting to sleep sometimes. And what happens is she falls asleep while watching TV. 
And so she's already asleep, but then I got to get up and go put away my computer, go and brush my teeth. And so I'm making some noise and then that wakes her up. (laughs) So the other night she fell asleep and I go into the bathroom and I open the bathroom door and she's like, what, what was that? And then she said, I almost had a heart attack. (laughs) I said, what? What do you mean you almost had a heart attack? Well, that noise, the click of the door, its my heart is racing. So please leave the door open. Or if you open the door, don't make any noise. So I said, fine. So then the next time I had to open the door, it took me a good 45 seconds to open it in a way that it didn't make any noise. And then I had to close it very carefully. And of course, I couldn't see anything because the light wasn't on. And I'm thinking, this is just so ridiculous. I mean, it's taking me a minute to open and close the door. I'm terrified that I'm going to wake her up and it's going to be this big domestic confrontation that we get into. And uh, whatever. I mean, you could say that's a one-off situation. Uh, actually, I wouldn't say that, but uh, I, I don't hold it against her. If she wants to get to sleep. She's anxious about getting to sleep. But you compound that by 10,000. So you think about all those rules you have with your spouse, all of the rules you have at work about what you can say, what you can't say, all the rules you have in society, who you might offend. And it it just becomes something where you want to tear your hair out. You know, it's like you want to scream. And and then we wonder why people are losing their goddamn mind and going and shooting people or driving off cliffs because we're subjected to this tyranny. I I think there was another word. Someone in the opt-out community might have called this a micro-tyranny. Referring to something else, but I think the the same concept applies. It's these little micro tyrannies that we have to deal with, and it just takes such a toll on our psyche that we're ready to snap. So I think you're right, Z. I mean, maybe awareness is the best place to start, both for the petty dictators and for the subjects of the petty dictators, just being able to see that pattern and then step out of it. So th- those are just some of the thoughts that that I've got. Yeah, Vin, you hit on so much stuff, and I was going to interrupt you, and I try not to do that, so I can t- keep a train of thought. I'm going to try and and, and, and follow up on what you're saying for those opt-outs is that there is like the existential uh, effects of the uh, petty dictator uh, syndrome and then there's the internal part that is just as bad, like talking about your wife about sleep and then I want you to warn her that the longer you stay in a state of anxiety, the more sleep you use, the more, the more you're a candidate for dementia, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. So the, one of the best ways of getting sleep, I found, because I tend to be a light sleeper, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I have to have all the guns around me, everything, weapons, all the doors locked, and then I can fall asleep, <clears throat> is that stop worrying about falling asleep. I know it sounds, one of the best things I've learned recently is if you want to still to sleep, accept that you may not fall asleep right away. If you start running around looking for inner peace, you will lose your inner peace. So just lay there and deal with it. Observe yourself. Say, hey, eventually you're going to fall asleep. And the more you train yourself to let go, the easier it is to sleep. You think about when you go to India, you go to Africa, you see people sound asleep in the middle of a busy street. Card, right here in L.A., cardboard box, uh, empty jug for a pillow, snoring, farting, scratching, sound asleep, rats running over you, no problem. They've accepted the moment, I'm tired, then sleep. For those of us who have the luxury, a sense of entitlement, a seeking comfort mentality, there will never be enough things to make us sleep. There won't be enough melatonin, enough sleep aids. There won't be enough dark goggles, uh, white noise, all the things we try to use when we can't sleep. And I just recently had an epiphany. Let it go. And just lay down. If you fall asleep, you fall asleep. If you don't, you don't. If you worry about being tired the next day, that's going to keep you up. Everything you worry about is going to make you sleepier. So that's, that's, that's something that, that I think you can share with uh, your girl. Uh, another thing, when you talk about the petty dictator, and I want to talk about it as it affects us as, as, as human beings and where we buy into it. North Korea has the guy um, Kim, Kim Jong-un, right? He's no threat to the United States. He's no threat to anybody. He is no threat to anybody. 
So every now and then he'll shoot a missile or they call saber rattling. And the only reason people react to that is because some sort, some part of us has a fondness for a petty dictator. Inside, there's something about us that likes that guy. Leaders here the same way. We have the generals that will react. Yeah, Kim did this and we're going to send a stern warning to da 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 da. And what I see in this whole scenario, you think about the world. America has no enemies except the people it provokes into being the enemy. Then when you talk of who is America, is it you and I, and is it the patriot, the non-patriot? What is a patriot, right? When you start really breaking this stuff down, you start to see the illusions that create a petty dictator. You believe yourself to be something you are not. And we want to diminish that. It's the opposite of the grandizing of the ego. It is the diminishing and the crushing of the ego. When you listen to some of these comedians and you hear people offended, the minute you try to understand their offense, you're buying into the petty dictator. They're comedians. They tell jokes. They say crazy things. You can like it or not like it. It is that simple. There's no drama that comes with it. You can add your own drama and buy into it. Something that the, the, the fellow said that was really good, he talked about selective outrage. This also gives you the stasis, the petri dish to grow the petty dictator. Selective outrage. Remember the Ukraine thing? When people were really into Ukraine? And now it's come out that the Ukrainians were the one that blew up the pipeline going to Germany so that it could encourage other people to get involved in going against Russia. Also, there's a problem in the UK, in the, in, in the UK with Ukrainian refugees. I wonder what that problem is. What happens when you invite a bunch of Nazis into a non-Nazi country and they have to deal with people of other diverse ethnic groups? So the Ukrainians are upset that they have to live amongst people of color. So they want to be moved to different areas that have no racial, ethnic, or religious diversity. Aren't parts of London, like, really yeah. bad, too, I've heard? Like, yeah, yeah. But they don't want to be around different people. What about when they were leaving and they were mistreating the people who were non-white Ukrainians? Was that not a signal? that maybe the resources of your country would be better spent on healthcare here, improving the quality of the nation, as opposed to going out and being a petty potentate or dictator around the world, <clears throat> rattling sabers, wasting your national resources? Is there not an economic crisis in the United States, an education crisis that could use a few million dollars? With the money going to these failed dictators, these failed causes, the U.S. could resolve all of its problems and, and improve the standard of living of the people in the U.S. 100%, every citizen, every 300 million people in the United States, life could be improved if the resources that their taxes have provided were not sent to petty dictators. But because we admire the petty dictator, and then on an internal level, we see ourselves that way, how we interact with each other. I need to let you know how I feel. Why? I, I don't need to know how you feel because that'll change tomorrow. And, and, and you're not my intimate partner. So how about we just work on what we're working on? How about we support common goals and objectives? How about the people that live under your roof, you subject them to less drama in order to worship at the throne of the petty dictator? How about take them through less drama? How about show gratitude that somebody wants to put up with you? How about every day show gratitude that the person in front of you, the people across from you, are glad to see you? 
And then you can reduce that dramatic hunger, that need to be acknowledged, saluted, meddled, talked about, grandized for something you didn't do. Compare yourself to great people that forwarded humanity and see where you stand. See where you stand in the line of inventors, innovators, artists. Where do you rank? Kaylin says she's number one. In her, yeah, in, 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 in Kate land. So in Kate land, she's number one and she requires a tax and everything else. And see, what I like about what Caitlin said, as funny as it is, I think that's a good exercise. In my world, I'm number one, but I live in many worlds. And that's a good way to be. And that's about being confident and showing devotion for who you are and what you have. Because you should love yourself. You should think highly of yourself. Self-esteem means esteem yourself. So nobody can give it or take it away from you. So that was funny. And real, what Caitlin just said. Caitlin said, she's number one. I'm number one. Muhammad Ali was the greatest. And he became the greatest in many other worlds. I said that we're working on Dharma Media so I could make enough money to buy a place. I'm going to call it what? New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. That's right. New Zealand. And all the opt-outs will be welcome to New Zealand. And I won't require a whole lot of worship and stuff like that. Everybody knows me but it'll be a fun place to be. It'll be called New Zealand, okay? And um, all of us want to explore the pe petty dictator. Do you have to be acknowledged everywhere you go? It's like you used to hear these horrible ghetto stories about someone disrespecting me, so I shot them. But again, it's selective outrage. It depends on who disrespects you and how powerful they are. Seems like if the judicial system disrespects you, or if the medical system, you don't do anything about it. But if your buddy disrespects you, you shoot his bro's brains out. How about your 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 the, your, the boss at work? Disrespect you all you want, as long as he's cutting the check. So now you're a prostitute. That's okay. Just acknowledge, I'm a whore for my job. And then you understand. So the more that we have that understanding the more that we can manage the petty dictator tendency. The more that we do that, then we can reduce the dramatic imprint in our life. The drama takes away from your life. Life is simple and mundane. The greatest type of happiness is contentment. It's not over the top. It's not more, more, more. One of the most wonderful gifts at the end of the day, one can receive as a human being is that you finish your day and all your loved ones are healthy and well and with you. You think about some of the social ills going around, like we have issues with policing. And you start listening to this crap and you hear all these police talking about, I was afraid, I was fearful for my life, I was really afraid. Can you imagine a firefighter saying, I was really afraid of fire? I was really afraid, it was warm, it was, the sparks were going over, I was so afraid. So I, maybe you shouldn't have that job. Can you imagine going to the hospital and the doctor said, yeah, I went, did well in medical school, but I'm scared of blood. I'm, I'm kind of grossed out by blood. You shouldn't do that job. So when you hear these kind of things on policing where they're fear, fear, they're fear their life, if you are afraid of something, go in the opposite direction. Like the crows on the pole today. When that lightning or spark hit that crow and knocked his ass out, the crows didn't go over there in mass and jump on that crow and sit on his neck. They went the other way to observe. What the hell's going on there? I don't want that to be my fate. Crows are smarter than people, apparently. So let's have a sensical approach. I'm very careful about saying common sense because I believe that common sense died around 1995. And what arose in its place was what's known as extraordinary sensibilities. So if you look both ways before you cross the street, you're an extraordinary person nowadays. It used to be, they used to have kids' song that said, look both ways before you cross the street. Check around, don't get hit by a train. 
People are now getting hit by trains. That's how bad it is. So common sense isn't common. It's extraordinary sensibilities. So for us opt-outs, we're going to identify and assassinate the petty dictator in our own heart. And when we see it in others, we will not bow down to it. We will not engage it. We will avoid it. But you must treat it as if you're in a land of dictators. You can't just do it openly, like when I dealt with these crazy people here. You have to find a more surreptitious way of avoiding them. And remember, even some of your friends and allies have drank some of the Kool-Aid, like Caitlin did, and you'll get into it with them because their first reflex is to defend the petty dictator. Yeah, it had sucralose in it. That's right. That's right. And so you get a little of that sucralose, it, it, you got to flush it out of your system. So Caitlin's trying to flush that out of her system now, and she's starting to already feel better. All right? <laughs> Whatever. Wrap us up, Ben. No, I think that's about it. Uh, get rid of the petty dictator. Assassinate the petty dictator. Z, you were talking about how sometimes you feel like you just got to take some people out to feel calm. So maybe you can start with the petty dictator. That would be good for you. It would be good for for all of us. Um, no, I like that. I, I like that. I mean, I, I think out of what you said that really resonated is probably what Caitlin said. Uh, and just this this holding these two different ideas in our mind at the same time. Uh, one is, I'm really important. I'm the king of my world. But at the same time, there are a lot of other worlds. And maybe that becomes hard for people at times. I don't know if it was Einstein, uh, someone who said that holding two contradictory ideas at the same time is a mark of genius. But let's be that genius and recognize that there are different perspectives. So, of course, we care about ourselves. We care about our families, our loved ones. That's our priority. At the same time, we have to recognize that everyone else feels the same way about their own. And if we can keep those two ideas in mind, I think it makes it a lot easier. We become a lot more effective just at navigating the world, relating to other people, managing our blood pressure. Uh, so th that's all I got, Z. Yeah, and as we go, Vin, I, I want to compliment you on the progress you're making with Lion with the Mic. Just a beautiful project, everybody. Please keep up with Vin's trajectory as an artist as a spoken word talent. It's really a good thing he's doing. And I hope that all of you out there that have things that you believe in and enjoy, that you, um, you take time in the garden of the self to nurture that. I'm gonna to try to do the same thing. We're trying to grow Dharma Media and turn it into a viable, functioning, uh, living, breathing entity so the old man can retire. My retirement looks like me really working on a few books and developing some things and watching the other people step in and grow this community of people who've been involved in Dharma for 30 plus years. Um, more Tai Chi, more Qigong, more yoga, more wellness, more integrative medicine, and more uh, independent thinking, which is a really, uh, a, a really rare commodity. It's, it's, it's rarer than iridium, and we need independent thinkers. We need to grow the intellect so that humanity can can do well in our short journey through this, this time continuum. I also want to encourage opt-outs to um, know your limits when it comes to dealing with a lot of the political stuff. It's very divisive. It's very hate-filled. It's, um, it's very unproductive. Um, it, it's jumped the train. If you want to do, be an activist or something, be the best example you can be. The, and, and mind you, I come from a family of revolutionaries, of activists. I, I have participated in many uh, places in history. Uh, I've sacrificed much in my life for the idea of human rights. And I'd like to tell you from that end of the struggle, we lost the war. We lost. And that doesn't mean that there isn't other frontiers. But now we have to regroup and figure out what is the best way to advance and forward the human condition. And what I found is just by being the best person you can be in your short life and being a beacon for others, that's the best proselytizing you can do. And that's it for there. I hope you guys check in with us. Check in, say hi to everybody, and I uh, love you much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.